everybody and welcome to the Talking City Podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and once again I'm having to start with an apology because I am once again struck down by illness. So, so if it sounds quite nasally and if there's random coughs and sneezes and whatnot then I can only apologise in advance. We're in the walls once again but I'm braving, braving through to get this podcast right down your ears and also joining me to do that very sacred task is Mr Alex Brotherton. Alex, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. Um, I think we both need to get new physios, don't we? Because I've mm. been a bit ill the last few days myself. I'm feeling better today, but um, yeah, there's a lot of nasty stuff going around, isn't there? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, pleasure to be on and uh, talking about another uh, sort of, well, I was going to say a win then, but it wasn't, was it? Mm. <laughs> it's a, another European outing for City. Not not one that will be remembered mm. as a classic, but quite interesting nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I've got whatever... Um... Uh, close to what Erlen Haaland has, there's no chance I'd be playing 45 minutes of football along with Joao Cancelo. So they are certainly braver and tougher and obviously fitter men than me. But I digress. as you say, Champions League action, Manchester City versus Borussia Dortmund. It was nil-nil, but it was a bit more of an interesting game than that. City, of course, as they did last in the last draw in the Champions League with um, FC Copenhagen last week, or two weeks ago now, in, in fact, did get the job done. The task is complete. They are top of the group. Not how they would have liked to have done it, but they've done it all the same. And as I say, it was it was an interesting evening. And it started when the teams came out, Alex, because it was uh, quite a peculiar suggestion. All the um, all the uh, the uh, kind of team sheets I've seen have it as a four four two with Alvarez and Haaland. I, I presume it's more Alvarez buzzing about like he has done when he started. But of course, the big big talking point is that. Edison had been dropped and Stefan Ortega came in for his competitive debut. How did, how did he do? Yeah, um, it, he made a few decent saves, to be fair to him. Um, I don't think anyone really expected, um, obviously, Edison to drop out. Um, I don't think we've we've really not seen many games in recent years at all. Perhaps maybe the FA Cup semi-final last season where... There's been a game with something on the line and Edison's just been rested. Usually it has tended to be sort of dead rubbers or or sort of earlier round cup fixtures that don't carry the same sort of weight. But, you know, this was a Champions League group stage game against Borussia Dortmund, a very good team, a tough stadium to play at. And then obviously top spot was on the line. If City had gone and lost last night, it would have been pretty unlikely they would have won the group. Um so, but yeah, Stefan Ortega, he came in, made a few decent saves. Um, he looked very comfortable with his with his feet, uh, with the ball, sort of distributing it and um, sort of taking the touches when it was passed back to him, uh, which is something that City knew he'd be good at. Um, it's something he always excelled at um, when he was at Arminia Bielefeld. Um, but yeah, it was encouraging. I don't think it was the kind of performance you can say, wow, he needs to be City's number one now or something. But um, yeah, it was def- definitely an encouraging sign and... Um, he does look to be sort of no like disrespect, I guess, to Zach Steffen, but he does look to be an upgrade in in that kind of department. So, um, I mean, I fully expect we'll see Edison back um, against Leicester on Saturday. But yeah, it was it was good for Steffen to get some minutes, and yeah, it was he did perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Edison was injured, as Guardiola said, but Guardiola didn't really offer any insight into why. Probably if, it, if it's something to do with being disappointed with Edison's display, because I believe he wasn't the best on the ball in the weekend's game. Um, you know, all, he, all, all Guardiola had to say for himself before the match was he has to play. I decide, okay, he's going to play. No, um, I, I decide for Stefan today. No, Ed, um, Edison's not injured. So 
what do you read into this? Is it maybe a bit of a wake-up call for Wedgerson that he needs to, you know, his spot, especially now with decent competition, is not secured? Because it's the first time that, I just, as you say, apart from the FA Cup semi-final, like, and definitely the first time in the Champions League, when something, it's not been a dead rubber, the game has had something to play for. And as you said there, rightfully so, City lose that with Dortmund going to um, Copenhagen in the last game. Very unlikely that City actually get top spot. A lot of riding on this game, really, even though it City did seem comfortable. And he's not played Edison. That's the you know. I know there was a lot, obviously, riding on the FA Cup semi final. But he's one of them who likes. He usually takes picks his cup keepers, doesn't he? I wouldn't surprise me if Ortega has that in the FA Cup this year if City go far as well. But this is the first time where he's dropped Edison when you'd usually expect him to play. Yeah, um, it could be a little bit because. I mean, it sounds daft. Obviously, Edison got an assist on Saturday, didn't he? But um, but yeah, he, you're right. He wasn't... Perhaps the last couple of games now, his distribution hasn't really been the level that it should be or what Guardiola wants it to be. So I suppose maybe it might be that. But, you know, it, it would have sent a message to Edison. Like, you know, you, you know, your spot isn't 100% secure. You can't, you can't be kind of dropping your levels and expecting just to keep your spot. But at the same time, I think it's, you know, it's it's just a matter of also keeping the squad happy. And obviously, Stefan Ortega knew when he came in over the summer that he wasn't going to be City's number one. He said that he wants to push and, and try to play as many games as possible, but he arrived knowing that he wasn't going to be number one. And, you know, and, and Guardiola, he's, he likes to keep everyone happy in the squad. It's part of the reason why he has quite small uh, first-team squads and, the goalkeepers, like every other position, he needs to keep the reserve goalkeeper happy. Whether or not it's it's clear that he's going to be the second choice, he still needs to play at some point. Um, and this just seemed like a good opportunity. Yeah, there was something riding on it in terms of winning the group. But ultimately, the main goal is just to qualify. They had already done that. He's a very good goalkeeper. There isn't a significant drop-off, if a drop-off at all. There's probably a slight drop-off from Edison's sort of distribution when he's at his best to Stefan Ortega's best, but it's probably not much. So I don't. I, I think maybe it was just more of a, a, a case of, you know, we've got to give this guy his minutes somewhere, otherwise he's going to be unhappy and he's going to want to leave. So it seemed like a good opportunity. And if it's had the added sort of effect of giving Edison a bit of a kick up the backside, then then that would be really good as well. But um, I don't think that would be the would have been the primary kind of motive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, I say there was another. Julian Alvarez came in for one of his few starts since moving to City, and as I say, that kind of made the formation not quite the usual four-three-three. And um, interestingly, Jack Grealish not starting again. It looked like he was hitting his stride um, before the uh, before the Liverpool game, and he kind of dropped out there and hasn't really come back in really. And it's 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 a bit of a weird one when he seemed like he was building his momentum to then drop out the side again. So what did you make of those two? How, like, how did Alvarez do? And is it is it concerning about Grealish's lack of playtime recently? Yeah, I thought um, just on Alvarez, I, I don't think it wasn't necessarily a performance that kind of set the world alight. Then again, none of the City players were really sort of that good or sort of outstanding. Um, I thought he did okay, but City in the first half, really did struggle to sort of create much. And to be honest, they didn't create that much in the second half. Um, But when they attacked in the first half, it all seemed a little bit too frantic, a little bit too forced. Um, And then we, Dortmund were just coming straight back at City and creating more chances. And 
arguably the, the host should have gone into hard half time two goals up. Um, but yeah, City's attacking threat in the first half was a little bit blunt. Um, I'm not sure if you could put much blame on Alvarez himself. It's just the whole team didn't seem to be functioning too well as a unit. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I don't know, It's it, maybe this is just me and it's um, perhaps it's not a fair assessment, but what I feel like I've, I've been more impressed with Alvarez when he's come off the bench in games so far. I know he hasn't started many games, so it's probably a bit too early to, to you know, label him like a, a super sub or something like that. Um, but saying that, I think he did start against, did he start against Nottingham Forest when he scored a brace back in August, I think? So obviously he was, he was great in that game, but um, I, yeah, he was okay. Um, he wasn't bad. He wasn't amazing. He was okay, but like the rest of City's attackers. Um, but yeah, I am I'm surprised by the Grealish situation because, well, it was that game just before the international break, that win at Wolves when he was really good, and then he came back from England, and he looked to be continuing in that form, um, and then all of a sudden he just seems to have dropped out of the team again. He you know benched at Liverpool, um, and yeah, it's just and then obviously benched last night, and it's it's just a weird one really because it's you, you do kind of. You've got over the years with Guardiola, he's he's kind of he has stuck with players when they've not been in form, and that's obviously what he's been doing with Mares recently. It looks like he's it looks like he's tried to play Riyad Mares through his bad form and get him playing well again. So it just seems a bit odd that with Grealish, he's finally started. And I'm not someone that has ever really thought that Grealish has been particularly bad at City. There was always a lot like room for improvement, but he did really look to becoming more sort of that uh that sort of incisive threat that we all hoped he would be as soon as he arrived and then as soon as that started he's kind of dropped out again so it's it is a bit of a weird one um hoping we see see him start on saturday and a bit more going forward um but yeah he um it's a little bit strange just because he was coming into a good vein of form um i would have expected guardiola to kind of want to to sort of continue that but you know there's always tactical reasons behind these things i think with liverpool the Liverpool game, the idea was to sort of try and pat the midfield a bit more, which you can kind of understand then not having Grealish in. But then Grealish is one of the City players who's, you know, Guardiola always talks about his ability to put a foot on the ball, not give the ball away. So then would he not have been good in that situation? It's, yeah, I don't know, it's it's, it's complicated, but it is a bit surprising, yeah. I can only think that perhaps he remembers how much Grealish struggled against Dortmund in the reverse fixture and just maybe thought, Maybe you know Foden when he came on, he's what instigated City's comeback in that match. Maybe starting from the off, and if you want to put Alvarez in, there isn't as much room, whatever, and you want Foden on the left for that reason. So it, it, I can see, I can, I say, if he doesn't start against Leicester, then I think there may be some concerns. But I say we talked, you know, for ten minutes about the kind of just the team sheet itself. That's how kind of strange and interesting it was. And um, let's kind of move on to the game, like the whole match a few weeks back now. It was another difficult one, another really competitive match. I think as uh, myself and Joe predicted on uh, what day are we on Monday's episode, Dortmund were a lot more kind of progressive this time. They were, the, the starting eleven only actually featured three defenders, out and out defenders this time, rather than the five they had um, at the Etihad. Maybe I'll, I think a lot of that was enforced due to injury. I think they were they were missing. Rafael Guerrero, Anthony Modest, uh, a few, you know, obviously Marco Royce is injured. So they, they, they were lacking a fair few, a fair number of players. But the Dortmund certainly, compared to the Etihad, I think, it's, well, obviously they still remained quite resolute at the back, thanks to, you know, Hummels and Sula and Schlotterbeck. But um, 
they, they were a lot more attacking this time around. They, you know, they played with kind of looked like proper wingers with Eddie Amy and Reina. Uh, Bellingham, of course, was good again. So City done well to come away with an in-all draw. And, you know, a lot of a very thunderous atmosphere. Dortmund had a fair few chances, especially in that first half. But I should say, job done. Top of the group confirmed. How, how did you how did you see the game? Because Dortmund Dortmund are no pushovers, as they said at the as we saw at the Etihad, and um, even when they came out a bit more in this time around, City held firm, didn't quite get the winner themselves, but certainly not a bad result. Yeah, it's obviously in the a draw is what City needed to secure top spot, and as you say, given the what we saw in the opening in the in the first half, I'm pretty surprised that they didn't concede because. Dortmund had, well, I think they, they fairly easily outnumbered City's um, attempts on goal um, and two of them they really should have converted. So City were perhaps fortunate um, that Dortmund weren't really getting their efforts sort of either on target or um, good enough to, to beat Stefan Ortega. Um, because, yeah, Dortmund, they were, just, they were having a lot of joy down City's left-hand side in particular. I think it was Adeyemi was... Um, yeah, Jao Cancelo was sort of caught in this weird sort of kind of a place between, you know, a rock and a hard place where it's he's doing all the attacking stuff. He's he's going down the wing, but then he also needed to get back. Um, and sometimes he just wasn't able to quite do that. Um, and it was just leaving a, quite a lot of room over on the left-hand side of um, City's defence. I think there was one time where Ake had to go over to try and cover um, he didn't really get there in time and then the cross comes in and um, I think it was Yusuf Makoku um, put a fairly easy effort wide. That probably should have been a goal. Um, but so based on the first half, you know, nil-nil was a great result. City were a lot better in the second half. In attack, they didn't necessarily create that much more, but I think we saw with the changes, um, you know, bringing Haaland and Cancelo off and uh, bringing on um, Bernardo and Kanji kind of, shored things up a lot more for City um, and they were able to um, sort of do what we sort of, you know, what they sort of did really well a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League, which was just utterly control games, um, not necessarily play that exciting games where it's end to end. That's what they didn't want. They just wanted to slow things down, control it, neutralise Dortmund's threat on the counter-attack. And that's how they ended up keeping a clean sheet. So I think in the end it was... It was that, as Guardiola said after the game, it was a much improved second half performance, perhaps not in attacking sense, but in just that overall play, keeping the ball, not giving it away stupidly, um, and just sort of really neutralizing Dortmund, who didn't really have, after sort of, you know, threatening to score two or three times in the first half, didn't really have much of a sniff in the second half. Um, and I think, you know, just goes to show how, you know, Guardiola doesn't really, well, he never makes substitutions at half time. And he often, even when City are losing, if he's happy with how City are playing and the sort of the rhythm that they're playing, he won't make substitutions either. So I think it goes to show that he really wasn't happy with what was going on and wanted the team to play differently. That, you know, that's why he made two half-time changes and, and they worked. So um, not a vintage performance, but definitely encouraging that City kind of arrested the situation, recognised that they were getting a bit overrun. And you know, just had the, the sort of the nous and the the sort of discipline to you know control things, play out the game, get the result they needed, and move on. 
City's last four games now, they've kind of drawn uh, with Dortmund, obviously. They drew nil nil with Copenhagen as well. Lost to Liverpool, and though they beat Brighton at the weekend 3 1, you could tell on the sidelines Guardiola wasn't best pleased with how the match was playing out, as we discussed on the last on the last episode. He was quite um, quite annoyed with City's positioning all the time, and they were certainly given kind of the runaround by Brighton's man to man system. Is there is there a worry that City's form is kind of a little dipped a little bit in recent weeks? I know we say this as a team who are now top of the group, um, sailing through to the group, uh, knockout stages with a with a game to spare, t- um, two points off the top of the Premier League. But I think there's a there's a real stark difference between the performances they were putting in, uh, you know, the United six three game, and even that they still conceded three goals, need to slip. But if you look at the when they were beating Forest six nil. And um, you know, beating Palace four two and what like that, it does feel like the farm is it's been a bit uneven, I'd say, recently. Yeah, um, I think there has been a bit of a dip, um, but I guess it's also important to you kind of got to caveat it with with the situation, well, who they were playing and what kind of games it were. You know, going to Liverpool was never going to be easy. Um, Obviously, City have improved their record against Liverpool in the league in recent seasons, but um, the system didn't perhaps work quite as well as Guardiola will have hoped in terms of um, kind of containing Liverpool's threat on the break. Um, and they did it largely well, apart for the the two Salah chances, one of which he scored. Um, but it kind of in the way they set up kind of inhibited City's attacking sort of fluidity a little bit. Um, and then I guess against Brighton, you know. They were, they were really difficult teams to play against. Obviously, the man-to-man marking made it quite hard for City to play through the lines um, for a lot of the game, but they did turn it to their advantage by putting Haaland in a one-on-one situation with the defender. He got the better of him, barged Adam Webster to the other side of the pitch and then um, and then put it in the empty net. So it's And then obviously, you know, Dortmund last night, it's, um, again, the first half. I, I don't know, It's it, it does seem that they have been playing... A slightly different system in recent games and I don't know it's just uh it does seem to be just lacking that fluidity that we they did seem to have more fluidity and more kind of uh better understanding with each other when it was you know Haaland in the middle Foden on the right Grealish on the left um and I don't know if maybe individual performances you know have come into it a bit Riyad Mahrez hasn't been great um and I think he's pretty much all the games he's played in for the last couple of months, he's just looks a bit predictable and not very kind of incisive. Whereas when Phil Foden was playing on the right wing, who obviously is another left footer, he's probably still going to look to cut in like Mares. He just looks so much more inventive and more confident. Um, so that might be part of it. Um, I think that, you know, it's just starting to show now that they are missing Kyle Walker as well. Um, you know, just having someone that can do the sort of the right back stuff um, and also have the recovery pace to snuff out counter-attacks, but also the quality to tuck into midfield as well um, and kind of play from the middle of the park or just sort of allow Cancelo to push up and tuck back into defence to form a back three. I think they do. It is starting to show that they miss him because uh, as, as good as sort of a Kanji and, and Stones um, have sort of deputised on the right of defence, they're, they're not as good as Kyle Walker at doing it. Um, so I think there's a few things, um, but it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's not panic stations or anything, but I think there has been a, a, a visible sort of drop off in recent games, but you probably have to caveat it as well that, you know, 
Liverpool, Brighton, Borussia Dortmund are better teams than, well, the Manchester United that turned up in the derby, Nottingham Forest back in back in August as well. So it's there's a lot of things to consider, but City definitely haven't been in top gear. I think that's that's pretty obvious. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no kind of question about that. I wouldn't say, but you know, City did have a great chance too. When it a goal in the chance, the best chance of the game, and that was from the penalty spot. Riyad Mahrez won it with, well, thanks to the kind of idiocy of Emre Chan, but he, he, he certainly did a nice bit of skill to get there. He won it, he took it, but he hit it, though powerfully, at quite a nice height and by no means close to either corner for the goalkeeper Colbell to save it. A good save, I'd say. It was a powerful penalty, but it, it's um, its accuracy was by no means good. Another miss for Mahrez, you know, Haaland had gone off and he's pretty much the designated penalty taken now, but you still had Gundogan on the pitch who's took and scored many um, points. I think as Guardiola kind of hinted to after the game, it's um, it's high time Mahrez is uh, taken off those spot kicks now because on a fair few... And to be fair to him, didn't he score against Dortmund in the Champions League? Or is it maybe Real Madrid um, a few years yeah, ago on the route yeah. to the final? So he has done... Um, I, I know, he's done it in high-stakes situations before, but he's certainly missed a fair few. In fact, I'm going to find out how many he's missed while you discuss why I shouldn't take them anymore. Yeah, it's all right. I can tell you. Uh, oh, it's um, it. it's yeah, it's a weird one with Mares because obviously you know everyone goes back to that miss at Anfield in 2018. That was his mm. first penalty for City, and then after that he scored nine in a row, um, and then the night the, the 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 last one of those of that run being against Spurs in February, and then his four that he's taken for City since then he's missed three of them, um, so it's just a pretty. You know, obviously, it's a terrible record in the last sort of since May, basically. Um, but it's just even more bizarre after he scored nine in a row. Um, because, you know, he was it last season or the season before where we had the whole thing about City's um, sort of woes from the penalty spot. And we had Gabriel Jesus and De Bruyne missing and Aguero missing. Um, and then suddenly Mares started taking them and he was really good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he just seems to have lost his ability completely. Um, I know he did some work on his technique. Um, he'd often sort of stand, once the referee had blown the whistle, he'd stand for a good sort of five, six, seven seconds until he actually did it, you know, just to compose his, compose himself. I don't know if he's, that's changed, but he's he's obviously not not getting it done and he doesn't look particularly confident when he's um, stood there waiting to take it. But yeah, Guardiola said he's going to have a break uh, from taking them. Not sure how long that's going to be, but as you said, like you know, Haaland's taken two penalties for City now and not just scored them both, but absolutely wellied them both in. I don't think you know there was no doubt that he was confident about taking them, and if he continues taking them like that, he's going to be City's penalty taker. But in the last two European games now, City have been awarded penalties when Haaland's not been on the pitch. Um, so you know, it could happen again, and I guess the worry is that. If it does happen again in a high stakes game with more riding on it and Haaland isn't on the pitch, then who's going to take it? You know, Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne have taken him in the past, but they've had sort of poor spot kicks as well. Um, I think Gundogan scored four out of six and De Bruyne scored seven out of nine, um, which is not too bad, but it's not amazing. Um, you know, Guardiola's joked about Edison maybe taking them at one point, but... Obviously, that's, that's not going to happen. So it's, I feel like the most likely candidates would be De Bruyne and Gundogan. But it is a bit worrying that 
perhaps, and somewhat ironic that you've got this team full of incredible players who are regularly the top scorers in the league, but they struggle to, you know, convert the what should be the easiest chances of any match, which is an unopposed shot from twelve yards with just the goalkeeper to beat who can't who can't leave his line until the ball's been kicked. So it's um it is an interesting one and something that's obviously pretty concerning. You know, City have now missed twenty five of the eighty penalties they've taken under Guardiola, which is the worst sort of record of any Premier League team in that time. Um, so I, I don't know how they go about addressing that. I mean, hopefully Haaland's just always on the pitch from now on when they get a penalty. But if he's not, then um, yeah, hopefully they, they sort that one out. Yeah, definitely. But as we say, job done, a difficult game, but top of the group uh, secured. And it's, it's looking interesting for who they could face in the second in the second round, the, the, a lot of the groups, I don't think any really are confirmed at this point. I think it's only cities. But if you look at um, Group H, for example, it could be either PSG or Benfica. They're both at 11 points. So Man City v PSG in the last 16 would be some round. So it could be either of those. It's looking like oh, it could be Real Madrid or RB Leipzig, depending on where that group finishes. Uh, group E is looking like it would be AC Milan, but RB Salzburg could certainly sneak in there as well. Uh, group D, obviously Tottenham can't be drawn against City in the last 16, but it looks like it could be even Marseille, Sporting, or even Eintracht Frankfurt. Group C, it's almost certainly going to be Inter at this point, uh, but if Barcelona can mount a comeback, they may well sneak in. Uh, group B, likely to be Porto, but Atletico Madrid could come back in. And then Group A, it seems like Liverpool will finish second, obviously City will be able to draw Liverpool in the last 16. So even though City have finished top, it doesn't really look like it would be that much of an advantage this time around. I can only see perhaps Porto, which knowing City's luck, that's who they end up getting as a kind of um, a comfortable game out of the possible of the possible teams. Like usually, you'd say that about Benfica, but they've been excellent in this year's Champions League, beating Juventus home and away, uh, a four-three thriller last night. Um, there's by no means perhaps RB Leipzig, but again, if Real Madrid drop into second, so. Maybe Milan or Salzburg, but apart from that, it's, it's looking like a really tough, tough field this year. Yeah, I think the last couple of years, it's you know, I mean, it's the Champions League, isn't it? You know, the, all the teams that get to the the last sixteen, obviously, have earned their place there. There's not really an what you'd call an easy draw. There's favourable draws, perhaps compared to others, but um, I think maybe the the main benefit to um, Sort of winning the group is more that you'll play the away leg first and then the home leg second. I think that's perhaps the main benefit rather than you know having the chance to have a potentially easy draw. Because I, I do think there's a there's something to be said for the the psychological advantage of playing away first. And I know there's not the, the away goals rule anymore, but you know it's still in the the big European games as we've seen with City. It's City do tend to do better at home, and I think if you can go away. Um, get the away leg done first and then know what you need to do in the second leg when you know you've got all your own fans behind you you've got the home comforts you've not had to go through the sort of the 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 faff of traveling and the the fatigue and and stuff that comes with that i think it's it's always better to have the second leg at your home stadium so i think that's probably the main benefit rather than you know trying to play 4d chess with like you know oh this team this team have won their group, but they're not as good as the team that came second or, or that kind of thing. I think, you know, at some point you're going to have to play the best, but I think it is better to have the away, get the away leg done and then come back. And as Pep would say, come, come back in front of your people and, um, and get the job done. 
Well, moving back to uh, the Premier League now. City back in action on Saturday afternoon, 12.30 kickoff. They go to Leicester City, which a few weeks ago might have been quite a walkover, and it still may be the case, but it's certainly not quite the easy proposition as it may have been a few weeks back. Leicester are undefeated in the last three, and uh, I think are undefeated in four of the last five. The one loss coming to Bournemouth. Two of those results, they've won 4 0. They beat Wolves 4 0 on the weekend. They're still 17th from the table, but it's certainly been a bit of a revival for Brendan Rodgers' side. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but Yuri Tillman's scored an absolute bloody peach of a goal at the weekend. Um, and I, Leicester hasn't by no means been like an easy kind of team for the City to play in recent years. Obviously, they've struggled a bit this year. It's definitely the side that's. The great side that Leicester had is certainly coming towards its kind of end now. Jamie Vardy's getting on and not quite as limber. I don't think he's first choice anymore. And, you know, they lost uh, Fafana in the summer and a few more important players. So it's kind of definitely on the way out. But still a tricky proposition. And it could be even trickier um, if City's squad is a bit depleted. As we talked about um, in the game, Cancelo and Haaland both went off at a half-time after they'd had a fever in the week and were... Kind of not at 100% to play the full half. Guardiola also mentioned after the game that Haaland had a bit of a problem in his foot. Both have, um, City have tweeted photos of both um, in training today, or at least in recovery in the swimming pools at the training ground. And both appeared, you know, the smiling for the cameras. Oh, well, to be fair, Cancelo looks like he's absolutely freezing from getting out of the pool. Um, but, you know, it's not like they're not involved with the first team or anything. So hopefully they're all good to be involved. But um, yeah, how, how, do, how do you see kind of Saturday's game going? I think it's got it's quite an interesting prospect, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if it had been a few weeks ago, I think we would have been quite confident, wouldn't we? Like Leicester just thought that they were in a bit of a mess and there was a lot of grumblings about Brendan Rodgers. I'm not sure if those, I imagine those some of those grumblings are still there, but um, they definitely have improved in recent weeks. You know, I think they've kept sort of free and clean sheets in a row at home now. Um so, and free clean sheets in a row in the Premier League, um, including that away game at Wolves. Um, so, you know, they, they do appear to have shored things up um, pretty well at the back. Obviously, they've they've not played in those games. They haven't come up against the teams like with the calibre of the calibre of City. But, um, you know, I think it's not going to be a walkover. I think, you know, as you said, City always, mm, yeah, not struggle, but it's always sort of a tough game against Leicester. So I think it, I don't see it being that much different now. Um, obviously, they've they've got their confidence back. They're doing pretty well. So, yeah, on early kickoff on Saturday, I think it is. So, slightly less time to sort of pre- prepare for it. But I think, you know, City will be confident they can get the job done. Um, they just need to go into it not expecting an easy ride because it's certainly not what they're going to get. Uh, you see, um, do you see any more wild kind of selection decisions from Pep this time around? Like we expected Edison to be back, and um, question about like if Haaland is unfit, what does City do there? Because we talked after I think it was with Joe, or it might have actually been you, Alex. We talked after the Copenhagen game how they didn't score without Haaland, and I know Haaland played the first half and didn't score, but they also played the second half and didn't score. So I'm gonna. Go to like 1.5 times that they've been without Haaland and these, the City have failed to score now. Like, how much of a worry would it be, especially as you say against the defence that has showed itself up a little bit in recent times? If Haaland can't play, and do you expect Alvarez to just be the de facto replacement or could it be a bit more of a return to 
the false nine that we saw so much last year? Um, I think he will probably start against Leicester. Um, you know, I think the the fact that he did start and the fact that you know he was he was sitting on the bench in the second half. Obviously, the the issue with his foot wasn't too bad. Um, and you know, if, if he'd really been struck down with a fever or a, a, a virus or whatever, that he probably wouldn't have played. So I think um, I think he should start. I think the fact that you know next week's match against Sevilla is now effectively a dead dead rubber because City have secured top spot, Sevilla have secured third spot in the group, which means they'll go into the Europa League. So there is literally nothing to play for for either team. So I, I imagine Haaland will be rested. And um, probably Alvarez will get a start next week. Um, so I, I don't. I think Al- Harlan will probably start at Leicester. If he wasn't to though, then I imagine it would be Alvarez. I think it'd be a bit of a kick in the teeth for him if, you know, Guardiola's spoken quite a lot about. Yeah, Harlan's great, but you know we've got players like Alvarez who are really great wait, waiting in the wings as well. It'd be a bit of a kick in the teeth for them to just then go and use a false nine instead of this young striker who's waiting for minutes, uh, waiting patiently. Um, so I think if Haaland didn't start, it would be Alvarez, but I'm pretty sure he will start unless anything else happens this week. I think he'll start against Leicester. Score prediction? Uh, 2-1 to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually went for a draw yesterday. I think I went, I went 1-1, so not quite not quite 100% on, but I'm in the ballpark. I reckon it's a, at least one point, but uh, this I think I'll go 2-0 City. And, you know, We'll certainly be all across the game next week on the Talkie City podcast, but also, of course, on the ManchesterEveningNews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can head over to, to the website for all the coverage and the build-up to the match. Of course, there'll be Pep Guardiola's press conference on Friday, which we'll be covering live. Then we'll be uh, bringing you the match live on the blog and all the fallout from the game. And then next Monday, or perhaps Tuesday, because I'm off Monday, so it depends if all these other scallywags can... Uh, take up the hosting duties I don't know about that but certainly at some point next week we'll be back to discuss the Leicester game and look forward to that Sevilla match as you say it's a dead rubber but whenever Guardiola usually has dead rubbers he still plays a really strong team anyway so Haaland may well get a start there as well who who knows but okay but of course thank you very much everyone for listening you can get us on Twitter as well at Man City M-E-N and Facebook at the Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. You can get me on Twitter at Dan Murphy and you can get Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Brotherton. There we go. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. But until then, it's goodbye for now. Cheers.